0: section thirteen of the obscure night of the soul by saint john of the cross this librivox recording is in the public domain book one chapter twelve of the benefits of the night of sense this night and purgation of the appetite is full of happiness to the soul involving grand benefits though it seems as if all were lost As Abraham made a great feast on the day of Isaac's weaning so there is joy in heaven when God takes a soul out of its swaddling clothes when he takes his arms from under it and makes it walk alone and he denies it the milk of the breast and the delicate food of children and gives it bread with the crust to eat when he makes it eat the bread of the strong which is presented in the aridities and darkness of sense to the spirit emptied and dried of all sensible sweetness namely the bread of infused contemplation this is the first and principal benefit from which almost all the others flow of these the first is a knowledge of our own selves and our own vileness for over and above that this knowledge ordinarily includes those favors which god bestows on the soul these aridities and emptiness of the faculties as to their former abounding and the difficulty which good works present bring the soul to a knowledge of its own vileness and misery which in the season of prosperity it saw not this truth is vividly shadowed forth in the book of exodus there we read that god willing to humble the people and bring them to a knowledge of themselves COMMANDED THEM TO LAY ASIDE THEIR ORNAMENTS AND FESTIVAL ATTIRE, WHICH THEY ORDINARILY WORE IN THE WILDERNESS, SAYING, LAY ASIDE THY ORNAMENTS, THAT IS, LAY ASIDE THY HOLIDAY GARMENTS, AND PUT ON THY COMMON VESTMENTS, THAT THOU MAYEST KNOW WHAT TREATMENT THOU HAST DESERVED. IT IS AS IF HE SAID TO THE PEOPLE, INASMUCH AS THE ORNAMENTS YOU WEAR, BEING THOSE OF JOY AND FESTIVITY are the cause why you think not meanly of yourselves. You really are mean. Lay them aside, so that henceforth, clad in vile garments, you may acknowledge that you deserve nothing better, and also who and what you are. Here the soul learns the reality of its own misery, which before it knew not. For in the day of its festivity, when it found great sweetness, comfort, and help in God, it was highly satisfied and pleased, thinking that it rendered some service to God. For though it may not explicitly say so, yet, on account of the satisfaction it feels, some such feeling still clings to it. But when it has put on the garments of heaviness, of aridity, and abandonment, when its previous lights have become darkness, it will then possess in reality that excellent and necessary virtue of self-knowledge, Counting itself for nothing, and having no satisfaction in itself, because it sees that of itself it does and can do nothing. This diminished satisfaction with self, and the affliction it feels because it thinks that it is not serving God, God esteems more highly than all its former delights and all its good works, however great they may have been. For then many imperfections and ignorances clung to it. But now, in the garb of aridity, it derives not only those fruits of which I am speaking, but others also of which I shall presently speak, much more than I can speak of, as from proper source and font of self-knowledge. In the next place, the soul learns to commune with God, with more reverence and gentleness. And this is always necessary when it converses with the Most High. Now in its prosperous days of sweetness and consolation, the soul was less observant of reverence, for the favours, of which it was then the object, rendered the appetite somewhat bold with God, and less reverential than it should have been. Thus it was with Moses, when he heard the voice of God, for carried away by the delight he felt, he ventured, without further consideration, to draw near, till God commanded him to stop, saying, Come not nigh hither. Put off the shoes from thy feet. This teaches us how reverently and discreetly in spiritual detachment we are to converse with God. When Moses had become obedient to the voice, he remained so reverent and considerate that not only did he refrain from advancing, but, in the words of the Scripture, durst not look at God. FOR HAVING PUT OFF THE SHOES OF DESIRE AND SWEETNESS, HE RECOGNIZED PROFOUNDLY HIS OWN MEANNESS IN THE SIGHT OF GOD, FOR SUCH A STATE OF MIND BECAME HIM WHEN ABOUT TO LISTEN TO THE DIVINE WORDS. THE TEMPER OF MIND TO WHICH JOB WAS BROUGHT IN ORDER THAT HE MIGHT CONVERSE WITH GOD WAS NOT OF THAT DELIGHT AND grandeur SUCH AS HE HAD BEFORE. God left him in misery, naked on a dunghill, persecuted by his friends, filled with sorrow and grief, covered with worms. Then it was that the Most High, who lifteth up the poor out of the dunghill, was pleased to communicate himself to Job in greater abundance and sweetness, revealing to him the deep mysteries of his wisdom, as he had never done before in the days of Job's prosperity. And now that I am on this subject, I must here point out another great benefit of the obscure night and aridity of the sensitive appetite. It is this God, verifying the words of the prophet, Then my light shall rise up in darkness, enlightens the soul, so that it shall confess not only its own misery and meanness, but also his grandeur and majesty. Not only does the extinction of desires and the suppression of sensible joy and consolation purify the intellect for reception of the truth, for sensible joys and desires even of spiritual things obscure and perplex the mind, but the trials and aridities of sense also enlighten and quicken the intellect. As it is written, vexation alone shall make you understand what you hear vexation shall make us understand how god in his divine wisdom proceeds to instruct a soul emptied and cleansed for such it must be before it can be the recipient of the divine influences in a supernatural way in the obscure and arid night of contemplation which he could not do before when it was given up to its former sweetness and joys the prophet sets this truth before us with great clearness saying, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand the teaching? Them that are weaned from the milk, that are drawn away from the breasts. The temper of mind, then, meet for the divine influence, is not so much the milk of spiritual sweetness, nor the breasts of sweet reflections in the sensitive powers, such as the soul once enjoyed, as the absence of both, the one and the other. And therefore, if we would listen to the voice of the great king with due reverence, the soul must stand upright, and not lean on the affections of sense for support. We must be like the prophet who said of himself, I will stand upon my watch, and fix my foot upon the tower, and I will watch to see what will be said to me. To stand upon the watch is to cast off all desires, to fix the foot is to cease from all reflections of sense, that we may behold and understand what God will speak to us. Thus out of this obscure night springs first the knowledge of oneself, and on that, as on a foundation, is built up the knowledge of God. Let me know myself, saith St. Augustine, and I shall then know thee, O my God. As philosophers say, one extreme is known by another. In order to show more fully how effectual is the night of sense, in its aridity and desolation, to enlighten the soul more and more, I produce the words of the psalmist, which so clearly describe the power of this night in bringing men to the knowledge of God. In a desert land, and where there is no way and no water, so in the sanctuary have I come before thee, to see thy power and thy glory. The psalmist does not say, and it is worthy of observation, that his previous sweetness and delight were any dispositions meet for the knowledge of the glory of God, but rather that aridity and weaning from the sensitive faculties, which are here meant by the barren land. Neither does he say that his reflections and meditations on divine things, with which he was once familiar, had led him to the knowledge and contemplation of God's power, but rather his inability to meditate on God, to form reflections by the help of his imagination, which he describes by a land where there is no way. The means, therefore, of attaining to the knowledge of God and of ourselves is the obscure night with all its aridities and emptiness, though not in the fullness of the other night of the Spirit, for this knowledge is, as it were, the beginning of the other. Amid the aridities and emptiness of this night of the desires, the soul acquires also spiritual humility, which is the virtue opposed to the first capital sin, spiritual pride. The humility acquired by self-knowledge purifies the soul from all imperfections into which we fell in the day of our prosperity. For now, seeing ourselves so dried up and miserable, it does not enter into our thoughts, even for a moment to consider ourselves better than others, or that we have outstripped them on the spiritual road as we did before. On the contrary, we acknowledge that others are better than we are. Out of this grows the love of our neighbors, for we now esteem them, and no longer judge as we used to do, when we looked upon ourselves as exceedingly fervent, and upon others as not. Now we see nothing but our own misery, which we keep so constantly before our eyes that we can look upon nothing else. This state is admirably described by David himself in this obscure night, saying, I was dumb, and was humbled, and kept silence from good things, and my sorrow was renewed. All the good of his soul seemed to him so mean that he could not prevail upon himself to speak of it. And he was silent as to the good of others, because of the pain he felt in the knowledge of his own wretchedness. In this state, too, men are submissive and obedient in the spiritual way, for when we see our own wretchedness, they not only listen to instruction, but desire to have it from anyone who will guide them their steps, and tell them what they ought to do. That presumption which sometimes attended them in their prosperity is now gone. And finally, all those imperfections are swept clean away, to which I referred when I was treating of spiritual bride. End of section 13